Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season eight of Game of Thrones premiered on Sunday, and you can deep dive with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-capable series on the recapable speed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, we'll be releasing tons of videos over the course of the series. So make sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer. And for even more Game of Thrones coverage, head over to TheRinger.com. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays. And joined by a couple different guys today. Danny Kelly is here. Kevin Clark is here. DK, we wanted to have you on because we're doing an emergency Russell Wilson contract podcast and we could not do it without you. <laughs> oh man, what a day. What a fun day it's been so, on Twitter. So here's the deal. I, I feel like because obviously the Russell Wilson imposed deadline that may be real, it may not be real right. about his contract extension. Today is the day and it created kind of a stir in the football kind of conversation community about whether this was something the Seahawks should do, what would happen, the ramifications. (laughs) And I feel like we all had opinions on it. So the idea was, why don't we all just talk about it together? Yeah. So Kevin, we all have the same opinion. I I think we do. And we're going to spend 20 minutes talking (laughs) over each other and repeating that opinion. Danny, you start. Well, let's, let me just start off by saying I've gone down the rabbit hole. There was a point last year where I, where Mays and I went back and forth. We went down the rabbit hole and explored the idea of the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson. We wrote a whole thing. We wrote like a 4,000 word back and forth that never was published. We never published they started it playing well. because what? Wilson yes. caught fire. Yes, this happened. So what? So, but the bottom line is I've, I've gone down that rabbit hole and imagined a scenario where the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson and I've come out thinking it would be the most moronic thing in the world. <laughs> so, so basically we've been there. We've gone down that path and and you don't think there's any fair value if the giants just trade their two first round picks this year plus a couple more mid-round picks that's not fair value uh i it would i think it could be fair value i don't necessarily trust the seahawks to turn those four picks into anything worthwhile that that would even closely resemble resemble what wilson brings just i mean if you look at their last like six years of drafts it's been really hit or miss. The draft in itself is very hit or miss. I just but think that's why stockpiling assets. There's an argument for doing so because it's so hit or miss and giving yourself more dice rolls is the only smart way to go about the draft. Yeah. So if you can get four first round picks, then that's a more realistic, I guess, option for the Seahawks if they actually do end up training them. But you have to ask yourself, are there any teams that are going to do that? Are there, are there any teams that are going to say, here's four first round picks, plus we're going to pay him 35 million a year? So even outside of the draft pick conversation about trading him, I think the foundation of this discussion on a couple different fronts is what you would have to allocate toward Russell Wilson worth what you would save and where else you could allocate those resources. Would you rather have Russell Wilson at X price or would you rather divvy up those assets on a couple different players, draft picks or whatever you want to say? Mm-hmm. So at the core of all of this is is the question is Russell Wilson the type of player who is worth tying up 17 and a half percent of your cap at 35 million dollars a season or is he the type of quarterback that does not kind of cover up your flaws elsewhere to the point where you'd rather be able to stockpile your roster that is to me the crux of this entire issue and I feel like 
I don't get, correct me if I'm wrong here, Kevin, but I think all three of us kind of fall in the first camp where he is worth it because he's going to mask the other issues that two or three more players would solve for you. Okay. Couple things. Danny, you're going to love Ryan Tannehill next year. <laughs> God. This is uh, the, whole, the worst part of this is that Danny has this like deeply pained side of it that you and I don't have, <laughs> Kevin. Second of all, let's get into this. So there's a couple of things. Number one, this all might be moot because of a little thing called the franchise tag. Okay. Right. Now the franchise sure. tag is in the second year going to be $30 million, I think. So that we're looking at 2021 at that point, whatever. Mm-hmm. The guy, the guys that over the cap did a, did an uh-huh. analysis. Their their numbers were in twenty twenty, it's thirty one. Yeah, in number in twenty twenty one, thirty seven point two. So if you include this season where he's owed seventeen guaranteed, that would be around eighty five million for the so next three years. That's similar numbers to what DK is making in twenty twenty one. That is the Kirk. Well, that is the Kirk Cousins contract. That is the Kirk, that's yeah. exactly what so the that's Cousins the floor. Contract. And, and so, but Kirk Cousins forced his way to free agency. He got tagged twice. Okay. That's what's going to have to have to happen with Wilson. They're probably not going to let him walk. Right. Here's why Wilson is worth it. It's because not only is he able to make up for the deficiencies, exactly what you said, exactly what I said on Twitter this morning, but he's also able to make up for the scheme deficiencies, which is completely out of this era. So not only does he make up for maybe some problems we've seen it over the course of the last five years, offensive line problems, talent problems in general. He also masks coaching problems and you can't mm. put a price on that. <laughs> yeah. I think that we read too much into the stat last year that the top six quarterbacks did not make the playoffs. Uh, excuse me, the top six highest paid quarterbacks did not make the playoffs last year. Um, Matt Ryan probably should have won a Super Bowl at a huge price tag. Uh, Drew Brees should have played, one, should have played one this year. Paying a quarterback is not a bad thing Paying a bad quarterback is a bad thing. Thank Russell you. Wilson is a good quarterback. You pay these guys. I think we've gone too far down the road where any good and any big contract is considered bad and any small contract is considered good. The salary yeah. cap is rising $10 million a year. Okay, more in some years. There's a lot of money to go around. We're not just trying to acquire the most cap space or the most picks. Those things worked. The Browns did that. It worked. But they turned them into good players. Baker Mayfield is the reason the Browns are going to win this year. Miles Garrett is the reason the Browns are going to win this year. It's not because they acquired a ton of cap space. You know, it, right, it, right. The, the plan leads to the players. Okay. What's Seattle's plan right now? Because they have a good player and he might be out the door. The other thing, the other thing to take into account with the salary cap is the Seahawks right now, the way that they've structured a whole bunch of their contracts is that they're not tied down to these big albatross contracts right now. So if you look at uh, 2020, their cap space is like 85 million, which is the second most in the NFL. In 2021, it goes up to 151, the mm-hmm. second place in the NFL. 2022, 183.2 million. That's from Justice Muscade on Twitter. Um, that's first in the NFL. So mm-hmm. the idea that they're, um, you know, they, they've just got so much flexibility right now with their cap that it, it's not going to be the type of contract that completely hamstrings them. Now, granted, they still have to get Bobby Wagner done. They might get Frank Clark done. So that's going to eat into a lot of that cap, but they're still in really good shape cap flexibility wise going forward over the next like three, four years. And that, that three four years is a is a Super Bowl window. I mean, you ha- like it's not like they need to restart. They need to like completely 
like you said, just build up a bunch of cap space and get a bunch of picks because they're still a competitive team. And Russell Wilson makes them that competitive. The other thing, I saw a couple stats on PFF. There's this idea that with the Seahawks um, philosophy, um, they could insert like a league average quarterback and, and be nearly as good, which I explored that thought. I, I just think it's stupid um, it's, at this it's point. It's so dumb. And that's the thing that I agree with. I understand where you're coming from, Kevin, and when you say that he de- he kind of masked the scheme deficiencies. But I also think that the scheme itself is one of the reasons that the Seahawks are probably sitting there saying, well, we don't need to pay a quarterback. That's not how we play, which is totally backwards. We're rolling think, with Schottenheimer. <laughs> it, 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 that, but that seems we to be what one, they're doing. We have a top five quarterback, and that's great. But we've also got Brian Schottenheimer, and he's our way forward. I want to I want to so throw crazy. Am I in a coma? I want to throw <laughs> you guys. Let me throw two. Let me throw two stats at you guys. PFF Seattle's uh, Twitter account posted these two today. Last year, Russell Wilson's passer rating under pressure was 86.2, which is 20 points higher than the NFL average. And his passer rating on third downs, 113.7, 25 points higher than the NFL average. Under pressure, on third downs, and in his deep passing, he was he was an excellent deep passer last year. Russell Wilson is so much better than an average quarterback in those three huge key categories for the way that the Seahawks want to play football, the way that they want to run the ball and all that. Uh, it just... To me, he's a, he's clearly elevating this offense um, with the, his ability to do all those three things. So I think there are a lot of things I want to get to that, that you guys have just brought up. I feel like, Kevin, you, the point you made about the rookie contracts and how we kind of fetishize those and how it's all cheap or nothing at this point, I think is such a good point because everyone's trying to kind of talk about how having a quarterback on a rookie contract is the best way to build, which, yes, it is. Having a good one is. But if you're looking at the numbers, just actual numbers, Mitchell Trubisky is going to make $8 million this year against the cap. Yeah. Let's say Russell Wilson makes 30 in his first year. So we're talking about almost four times as much, and you're talking $22 million in allocated cap space. Is the gap between Russell Wilson and, let's say, even a slightly better quarterback, let's say Jared Goff, is the gap between Jared Goff and Russell Wilson worth $22.5 million in players? And I just think the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do the other too. thing is like you have to get a, you have to have like a top three pick to get either of those guys. Well, and, and also you have to hit on the twenty two million dollars in players. Yes, I mean we look at we look at the Eagles and we say, okay, well they're <clears> able to get all these luxury items, you know, specifically around Wentz. They were able to get somebody like an Alshon Jeffrey, afford guys like that. But they got that right. And I would say that the Rams obviously did that with Robert Woods too. But I'm saying there's no guarantee the extra $22 million of cap space <laughs> is going to go to anything good. Right. Remember, hey, by the way, the, the, the damn Seahawks had all this cap room and they traded for Percy Harvin. <laughs> That's, it, that all worked so, out. I'm just saying their yeah, big yeah. swings have been Percy Harvin and Jimmy Graham. Yeah. And the other the other thing is that it's not just the salary cap space. I, I brought up the Saints and the Drew Brees kind of sliding doors moments that could have led to them being in another Super Bowl or winning one. And one of the responses was that, well, yeah, you know, they could be the model if every team could hit on a first round right tackle and a Michael Thomas and yeah. an Alvin Kamara. It's like, yeah, that's not hard. Or that's not easy to do. But neither is finding a franchise quarterback. Like at <laughs> some points, you're going to have to get lucky with a couple of these choices. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing to find is still a franchise quarterback. So paying market price for one of those guys, that's not the misguided thing you can do to me. 
Because in the end, I do think it's more difficult to find that guy than it is in than it is to build an infrastructure that can lift a mediocre quarterback. Maybe I'm backwards about that, but I just don't think I am. I think finding a top five quarterback is still the hardest thing to do. I agree. Let me ask you guys this, because I think this is a big part of why we're recording right now is Wilson set this artificial deadline for, yeah. you know, tonight at midnight or whatever for the, <laughs> for the thing to get done. If I it doesn't it. get done, what does that mean? Like if they come back and offer him, you know, 35 million a year with a hundred plus million guarantees, is he going to say no? Uh, well, that gets to some of this other stuff about how he wants a percentage of the cap and all of that, which right. if you had a smart negotiating agent and you were Russell Wilson and you had a ton of leverage outside of just being franchised twice, wouldn't you be arguing for a paradigm shifting contract right. that Wait. sets new precedents everywhere? I want to address this. I want to address this. I saw Danny Heifetz earlier on the lot, our esteemed colleague, and he was saying, do you think this is real? The percentage of the cap stuff. Remember last July when Aaron Rodgers was talking about a non-traditional contract as well. And mm -hmm. we were thinking about that sort of stuff. I talked to Aaron a couple of weeks before his contract, for instance. We talked a little bit about the possibilities um, that, that were ahead for him. And then he signed a pretty basic contract. Right. And he said that essentially the NFL wasn't ready to broach new style contracts, NBA mm -hmm. style contracts or, or whatever. And it gets me back to this point. And this is the point I want to make about Russell Wilson. If you're negotiating for a contract, isn't what aren't you just going to say you want the most money possible? And isn't that isn't the way to do that to get a percentage of the uh, of, of the cap every year? I mean, right. it, it, it sounds, yeah. it's an as George Chance would say, it's a negotiation. Like if, yeah. if you start there and you say I want eighteen percent of the cap every single year, then that might kick in. You know a few million bucks a year. I don't know if a team is going to do that. I don't know if he reaches free agency if a team is going to do that. I, I also don't think he's going to reach free agency for three more years. So yeah, I think so that, that I think that no one, we talk about all this leverage or whatever, no one has as much leverage as we think because the franchise tag exists. You know, I, you heard that, yes. you know, people talk about opt-outs or whatever. It's, it's, it's a long way away because the franchise tag kills Leverage. I cannot Especially emphasize this enough. We're sitting here and acting like you know Russell Wilson's going to be a free agent next summer. That's not the case. They have no leverage. Yeah. That's the furthest possibility. I mean, I think it's, if you're ranking them right now, I would say it's extension first. If it's not going to happen tomorrow, then I think it's trade, right? Because if you could trade him and get just a huge return for it, if he's because let's think about this in yeah. the Kirk Cousins kind of space and framing it that way. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins would not have fetched the same thing on the trade market that Russell Wilson would. So kind of franchising Cousins two straight years makes more sense because if you're going to lose him in two years, wouldn't you mm -hmm. rather have four first round picks? Right? I, I think that's yeah. why it's a little bit different. So I think that's why the trade feels more realistic to me for a guy like him than it would be for Cousins because you can sit there if you're Pete Carroll and John Schneider and think we have to do this if we're going to lose him in two years anyway. I, yeah, and I still think that like two or three years is still a Super Bowl window, though. So I don't think thinking past two years is really that bad of an idea. Like if if you're, I mean, taking things two years at a time or three years at a time, I think it, I think you're right about that. So I don't know. I, I'm torn. I think I, I, Maze, I'm with you. I think and, and Kevin that um, you know he's gonna ask for the moon. You know, he's gonna ask for as much as he possibly can. Last time the Seahawks were negotiating with Wilson, there was a lot of rumors and reports that he was gonna be asking for a fully guaranteed contract. 
and then he ended up not taking a fully fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, that was remember. Oh, he hired a baseball agent to get a baseball <laughs> contract. What he ended yeah. up with a pretty <laughs> typical football contract. Yeah, and 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 now that the three year eighty five million is easily the floor of his contract because of what Kirk Cousins was able to get. Um, maybe now he's like, okay, well, I don't necessarily need to like use a fully guaranteed contract as my mm-hmm. you know negotiating ceiling. I'm going to go for something even crazier, and because I'm, I'm going to get three years, eighty five million, regardless, like guaranteed. So and that's, and I think that the, that we're talking about cousins, and I think that it's that number is similar. The cousins number is so interesting because I still think, and I can't. I think it was Mina Kimes brought it up on Twitter today, and this is what well, you and I, Kevin, have talked about this all the time. Paying your quarterback is not the problem. Paying the wrong quarterback is the problem. Right. It, paying Russell Wilson seventeen percent of the cap is not going to cripple your Super Bowl chances. Paying Kirk Cousins 15% of the cap or Matthew Stafford 15.24% of the cap, which is what he's getting this year, that is what could cripple you. Mitchell, it's not Mitchell, the idea Mitchell of paying Trubisky, the quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky 2022. Well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that, that, that will never, what? ever happen. He will never get to 2022 that 2022 is never going to happen? He will either get extended by then or they will not pick up that option. Those are the two things. What about Apocalypse. That, that, that is more, the apocalypse is more likely than Mitchell Trubisky making $30 million in 2022. Wow. You're just asking for a freezing cold takes tweet. That's totally years. fine. I, that's totally fine. I'm more than, I'm more than willing uh, to accept that if we get to a point where he's making 30 million and Hey, if he's good enough to deserve 30 million, I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah. So, so Danny, hey, what would you like to see happen in the next 24 hours? If it, I mean, if, I, as a Seahawks fan, what is the ideal outcome? Of this entire thing for you. I mean, I, I'm completely comfortable with them giving him a set the market contract in, in terms of not necessarily doing what he wants and in, in, in being a percentage of the cap. But like at this point, I mean, every guy, every good quarterback, sometimes some mediocre quarterbacks get a, a, a reset the market type quarterback contract. And so I'm perfectly comfortable with them doing that. I think it has a possibility of happening. And I'm pretty comfortable with the idea of him taking up a pretty large chunk of their salary cap going forward. So like over the next three years, if it's 15, 17% or whatever, I'm pretty comfortable with that because I think he elevates the offense so much. And it, it, frankly, if they're going to want to run this offense that they're running, which is very, very run heavy, um, very play action oriented, very deep shot oriented, I think he's the perfect quarterback for that. I think he, the way that he plays, uh, the things that he's strong at, um, do enough to elevate that offense that it, it just doesn't make any sense for me to say like if that they're going to try and like, you know, do something where they can't, or, or it just doesn't make any sense to me that they could think that um, it wouldn't be worth it. So I'm totally comfortable with them doing it. I, I don't know if it's going to happen tonight. Um, I, I like, like we said, there's like three year window here where they could still resign them. So it's not necessarily like the drop dead deadline. It's just, I think it's probably just more of a negotiating tactic, but but yeah, it's going to be really interesting kind of like to see what happens tonight and going into tomorrow. I'm with you on all this. It just, every argument about how much that contract would hamstring them elsewhere, I just think about the last couple years and how their problems offensively and especially along the offensive line, it's not that the quarterback was making too much money. It's that Ethan Poachers right. never turned into a player. It's that Jermaine Fetty wasn't very good and was equally hurt a decent amount. Absolutely. It, it, it's that Tom Cable was the offensive line coach. It, these are um, the things that eventually come back to bite you, not your quarterback making what he's worth on the market. It's at terrible team building decisions and terrible infrastructure decisions outside of that. Can I, can I say something? Sure. Yes. 
I want to give a shout out to the New England Patriots. And here's why. <laughs> it's, it's Trust me, it's all related. Just stay with me here. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks built one of the greatest teams when you consider the era they played in and free agency and the passing boom and all that. When you consider what they had to deal with, they built one of the best teams in my lifetime. That, that lasted that, for four years. Okay, okay. Maze, I'm rolling here, buddy. So <laughs> they built one of the best teams I can remember. They had the smartest blueprint I can remember. They realized before anybody else the value of cheaper quarterbacks because even Matt Flynn was cheaper. Matt Flynn didn't work out, but he wasn't making $20 million a year back then. The tall cornerbacks were inspired. The way to play defense was inspired. The defensive line rotation was inspired. It was incredible what they did. It lasted four years. And their second plan, their plan to follow up one of the best plans in the history of football, did not work. And I think it's a lesson about football that you, these guys are really smart. Pete Carroll and John Schneider are two of the smartest guys in football. Yet they hired Braden Schottenheimer. Yet they've sort of mismanaged things around Russell Wilson to the point we've gotten here. Um, I still believe that they are a lot smarter than a lot of people in the NFL, but I just want to point out just the fickle nature of genius in the NFL and the fact that there are there's basically one team who's figured out how to do it for 15 years. Um, I think Andy Reid, you know, obviously has done it in two places. He he's he's generated that same sort of success, but obviously isn't winning the Super Bowls like Belichick and Brady are. So I just want to say this whole Seahawks decade shows you how fleeting the idea of football genius is. That's mm. I, I agree, but I also think that part of the reason that they were they've struggled in this era after that stretch is because the blueprint that made them successful during that stretch is the one they're still trying to follow in a lot of ways. And the league and the game changes so quickly that if you don't change with it, it you can't maintain the same strategy for ten straight years. Yeah. They won while running the ball and kind of being this defensive team in twenty thirteen, yeah. but now they still want to be that. And in reality, well, you should be a team built around Russell Wilson. I, I, That's I will how you say, can win. I will say having at the peak of their powers, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. Of I mean, that, that stuff helps. And now it's basically just balling out Bobby Wagner on his own. And then obviously Frank <laughs> Clark and, and some, some of the new guys. So The defense was transcendent, but at the same time, I mean, you could kind of shift I mean, your organizational philosophy around the players that you have. Sure, but I mean, just think about all those cornerbacks they had. I mean, I, that was just an amazing team. Oh, it's Shouts the most stacked team, team in recent memory when you go top to bottom, but I still think there's the a way they could have helped themselves more than they could have, more than they have over the last couple seasons. Yeah, along these lines, like it's, it, I think a lot of people in Seattle, or at least some, there's, there's a minority that I think does think it's a good idea to trade Russell Wilson because then they could, you know, load up on draft picks and load up on cash and and build another defense that'll that'll mirror, you know, the the 20 whatever it Is was. Is that minority of people just Pete Carroll? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh so there's this idea that if they can trade Russell Wilson then they'll just go back to that defense. Like that defense was a one in a million thing because it was a bunch of mid-round picks and Earl Thomas and um I mean, it was just, it was literally one of the greatest defenses of all time. It's like, oh, let's just rebuild the, like the 85 Bears. Like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. I mean, it, there's, like, like you said, it's fleeting. Success is so fleeting in the NFL. It, teams are, NFL teams are such uh, fragile ecosystems. If you take one thing out, it can completely change the whole dynamic. The one thing I think that is the most constant is the quarterback. And Ooh. I think 
getting rid of Russell Wilson at this point, I, I, just not, I, did, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would just be complete folly by the Seahawks. I'm I, I totally with you. I, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that it's fleeting, and, and there are so many different ways to build a winner, but the safest, most consistent, most reliable way to do so is having one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. And if you're willing to step away from that person, the uncertainty, no matter how many resources come in his to replace him, is so pronounced and it is so scary that it's just never a place I would want to be if I had one of those guys in my building. That's it. Boom. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it, yeah, it's a no-brainer, but uh, at the same time, a lot of the things the Seahawks do lately have been a little bit mis- mystifying. So, you know, anything could happen, really. That's the kind of the crazy part of this whole situation. That's why I'm like a little bit nervous about everything. A little bit? <laughs> yeah, see, you seem very, very afraid, buddy, and it's okay. If I were in your shoes, I also would be. But it's oh, again, I, I tweeted it this morning and I, this is how I feel about the whole thing. It's like I, I've rooted for a team that has never had a quarterback my entire life. And the notion that you could have one and you'd be like, you know what? I'm not sure about this guy. It's just for all the t- people that have never rooted for a good quarterback. It, it's, it's so upsetting to watch. It's like, please just understand <laughs> what you have, because some of yeah. us have lived on the other side of this for way too long. All right. <laughs> Kevin, you want to say anything else? You got anything else? Uh, no. Shouts to the New England Patriots. Shouts to teams that know how to play, pay their quarterback. And uh, <laughs> we'll magic. All right. That's all we got. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with our regularly scheduled draft programming. Until then, uh, we really appreciate you guys helping Danny through this tough time. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>